0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You want to stop shop for all things green and gold, where you get everything you need except for stocks, which you can go to Green Bay to get. My name is Mike Welland alongside Gage Bridgeford as we preview the Packers and the Vikings for the first time this season. The two rivals are going head-to-head this time in Minnesota, a noon central kickoff as a chance of really extend the lead and a chance to maybe even create a potential clinching scenario next week if the Packers can get a win here. So, Gage, how are you feeling for this one?
2: You know... If you listen to the podcast of the of, for of big media and bigger names around the industry, they're going to say that it's going to be a close game. Obviously, the Vikings, for those who don't know, are the only team in the NFL to lead by at least seven in every single one of their games this season. No other team has done that. Obviously, we know Green Bay consistently plays close scoring and close games. They that's just how they that's just what they like to do. They've always done it that way this year. I. I'm not I don't have any issue with Green Bay in this matchup. I think that the fact that it's so close in the like the pick 'em line for those that are gamblers, I don't know why it's as close as it is. Peter Bukowski, uh, everybody obviously knows him of Locked On Packers. He, I saw his tweet a couple days ago of who on the Vikings would start for Green Bay, and can you get to five? And real quick, so Jefferson, Thielen, you'd say that those guys would probably make three wide receiver set. Fair? So there, there's Always two. I you
1: think so, yeah.
2: I, I mean, nothing against MBS, Lazard, Cobb, whatever, but just Thielen and Jefferson are probably making it into your third wide receiver sets, but next to Devonte. And then right now, especially with Aaron Jones injured, Dalvin Cook be out there. Uh, so there's three. And then after that, it gets tough. I'm not taking any of their corners right now over the corners the Green Bay has. And I guess it's probably— I'm not
1: taking Harrison Smith either.
2: It, yeah. And so you probably got—then it's between like Dalvin Tomlinson, I think. I would probably—I think Dalvin Tomlinson would start or at least be a heavy rotation guy. And then yeah. maybe, maybe Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, probably Eric Kendricks. I suppose, but even then, uh, Perry Not Goldstein, Goldstein Campbell. Perry, well, Perry Goldstein, our uh, colleague, who uh, I think he, she records on Sunday nights, she said that this will be the first time in Kendrick's career that he's starting in this game, and he won't be the best linebacker on the field because Campbell's out there. So I think the only way that you get to five is if you put Kendrick's like next to Campbell, and that's just. Green Bay has a talent advantage everywhere. They have a talent advantage. Obviously, we know the upfront defensive line matchup. We know that Green Bay's offensive line has played well this year despite injuries all over the place. And with Michael Pierce and Daniil Hunter out, I'm not scared of Minnesota's pass rush. Why, why, did, why, why is there this never ending thing that Green Bay and Minnesota are really close teams when Green Bay, when they're not just without Aaron Rodgers or getting screwed over by referees on Roughing the passer calls by Clay Matthews, which was deemed the best way that Matthews could have played that. They they just consistently win these matchups. I don't get it. Outside of the game last year where Dalvin Cook just had the game of his life, Green Bay just wins this. Why, Why is it so close all the time? Why does everybody think these teams are close together?
1: I, I wish I knew, and I, I would say the only other position maybe, I would give him the edge would be would be Kenny and Guanu at kick returner. That'd be the other one I would give them a starting spot, but other than we that, ignore yeah, I can't teams. find five
2: people. We ignore special teams here. We've talked about it. The way to fix special teams is just don't ever have it. Just don't do it, and then you there you go. That fixes the problem
1: the first part of fixing a problem is admitting that there is one. But no, I'm with you to an extent. But yeah, I'm with you. And then you you factor in not even just the talent personnel on the field. The Packers have a massive coaching edge as well. Like, it's not even close. Like, there's a reason why even on wins fans are still calling for Mike Zimmer to be fired like he probably should have been gone a couple years ago he he seems to have lost whatever would have made him a good coach his first couple years as the head man in Minnesota but he, he it's not there anymore Matt LaFleur is light years ahead of Zimmer on the sidelines right now and it's not close like that's the huge advantage that the Packers have there's no way around
2: it yeah it's been like Matt LaFleur is already one of the best coaches in the NFL and he's been around for two years and people want to say it's only because he's got Rodgers or this or that it's like no flat out the guy is A great coach, and that's that's the end of it. Like that's just he is one of the best coaches. He consistently gets more out of his guys than anybody else. Clint Kubiak, in terms, just talking about coordinators, Clint Kubiak has looked terrible and questionable all year long. He will struggle to get Justin Jefferson the ball. I think there was a two-week span where Justin Jefferson had a total of like five targets. And then last week he had like 14 or something dumb like that. It's like – and he's like, yeah, we need to get Jefferson the ball more. It's like, hey, guess what, Chief? You call the damn place. You think Nathaniel Hackett has ever had a game where he's like, you know, I don't think we're going to get Devontae Adams the ball today. No, you get your star players the ball, and that is why the Packers coordinators are better. They're getting their star players the ball because that's how, you, that's how you win games. Your star players win you games. It's nice to have role players, but at the end of the day, it's stars that are going to separate you, and Kubiak has struggled – taking over for his dad and then and every other coordinator that's been in Minnesota for the last six years because they've had a new offensive coordinator like every single year. And then on the defensive side of the ball it's there, there's this thing that Mike Zimmer's defenses own Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Um, Aaron Rodgers hung 43 on you last year in your building. So, yeah, go ahead and remind me again why Minnesota's defenses own Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, that that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, yes, he may have owned a little bit when he was as a coordinator. It's different when you're a head coach. And I'm with you. I don't understand why everyone thinks this, that these teams are so close. Yes, Minnesota's lost a lot of close games. Yes, they've had some weird, weird events that have, have changed their record. They're also four and five. You, you find ways to win those games. Mays eight and two for a reason and I look at I look at this one and especially when you look at the Packers offense against the Minnesota defense without Pierce it's to plug up the middle of their big free agent signing a couple years ago without Hunter they brought back Everson Griffin he's now their number one pass rusher like that that's that's not a good sign for Minnesota if the guy your number one passenger's guy you who you cut last year let him go to Dallas and then you brought him back and he's now your guy, that's that's an issue. And this could be
2: a game where Green Bay's offense gets back on sync. Yeah, I like I said, this Green Bay offense is playing really well all year long. They n- really know how to get the most out of every player and it doesn't matter who's in and out of the lineup. They're always just knowing how to put themselves in the right situation between Lafleur's ability to call good plays and Rodgers' ability to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage, which is not something that every quarterback is capable of doing. It just puts you in—it just puts you in a, such a great spot. I have all the confidence in the world that Rodgers is going to get you in the right read. While Kirk Cousins, I don't have that confidence. I think Kirk Cousins is a fine quarterback. I think he's a dramatically overpaid one at that. And I also think that Mike. Z- I don't think Mike Zimmer's a very good coach. I think Mike Zimmer's a good defensive coordinating guy, but his defenses are they're they're fine. Everyone's like, oh well, look, Minnesota's defense is playing well the last few weeks. It's not like they're sh- they're not shutting teams out or anything. They're I'm pretty sure they gave up like 24 to the Chargers. They have they gave up 34 to Baltimore a couple weeks ago, and that was and that was in Baltimore. They gave up like 34 to the Cardinals earlier this year. It's they're not a great defense. They have their corner play is not good. Bashaw Breland, obviously questionable for this matchup. We'll know probably when this podcast goes up, uh, goes up this morning, whether or not he's going to play. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander doesn't scare you at all. He's been largely underwhelming since he came into the league. He was viewed small, and then he went to Cincinnati for a year, and you know he's back, and it's just you're not really getting a whole lot of play out of these guys. The best best players on the on the defense right now, with all the injuries, are Eric is Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, and then probably Dalvin Tomlinson. I don't even think Harrison Smith is that good anymore. He struggled this year. He in my opinion, probably should have been suspended for trying to choke out a player two weeks ago. But, I mean, the NFL just lets people do whatever the hell they want, so what do I know? I think Green Bay, and this, and I don't want it to sound like, like week one, obviously we all look stupid for the Saints call, because we all said, oh, Green Bay's just going to steamroll them, and then they got steamrolled. This doesn't seem like one of those games, because Rodgers, especially in those divisional games, really locks in, and everybody really understands the importance. And Green Bay leads by three and a half games right now in the in the division minnesota is the only team that can even come close to them because chicago is going to play themselves out of it obviously Khalil max now out for the year was uh with a toe injury i believe it was or a foot injury minnesota is the only team that can come close to them. if green bay wins this game you're now up what five five and a half games effectively based on the do the tiebreaker it's just it's it can be game over Rodgers can drive the nail into the vikings coffin in terms of the division and it's not even december
1: yeah, there, there's a conceivable chance that winning this week, that there there is a roundabout, they could clinch by Thanksgiving or the weekend after Thanksgiving. Because if you go up four and a half, essentially five with the win, get up to six after 11 games, there you go. Like, there there, there are ways that they could, you're right, this is essentially do or die for Minnesota if they want to have a chance at that division. When you, and you look at the numbers, like you talked about the team to give up, they gave up 27 to Cincinnati, 34 to Arizona, I mean, 17 to Detroit, that's a problem, 28 to Carolina to Sam Darnold. 34 to Baltimore, 20 in Los Angeles, like that those aren't good numbers, especially the 28 to Carolina. Like that that's and that and that game was just not great. It was an overtime game. Like they've they found ways to lose leads that I forgot existed. And and you look at this team, and I, I'm not scared of anything. Anthony Barr hasn't had that great of a year. Kendrick hasn't had that great of a year. Tomlinson might be, might be their best-performing defensive player this season. And and he's good, but I trust the line to move him out of the way and, and free up A.J. Dillon. And I I my weather app, when we were getting set to record and looking at Minneapolis, it's supposed to be about 27 when kickoff hits and be about 20 degrees with the wind chill. That's A.J. Dillon weather.
2: But it's, it's an inside game. so no don't sh- game. Fine. No game. I, also, I found out this fun thing about the Minnesota Stadium. Did you know that the the building, the roof is designed for sound to bounce off of the roof and come towards the opponent's sideline? Yeah, it's smart I, design.
0: I, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: I don't know how
2: they did that. I think that's incredible because the stadium, I didn't think that it was like slanted that much, but apparently it is. I heard that on a podcast this morning and I'm like, what in the, how did you even pull that off? But whatever, whatever. People are smarter than I am. I, this is an AJ Dillon, this is an AJ Dillon game. I, I think that AJ Dillon just, it doesn't matter if he's running against good defense or bad defense. He plows dudes over at all times. And if I saw, I remember, I think I remember he was averaging like six yards per carry at one point this year. He's averaging like three yards after contact or he's like averaging like 2.5 yards after contact. And second place is like 1.2 or like the NFL average is like 1.2. So basically he's twice as good as the average player in the NFL. And he's a second year guy and he's a backup on his own team. Nothing. Get, this isn't a shot at Aaron Jones. This isn't a shot at anybody else or a shot at Dylan or whatever. This is just this guy is so good and he's your backup running back. And that is why you draft for you draft for depth especially in a, when you're a team that likes to use the running back you like to use multiple running backs you like to keep your guys fresh for those late season games like this so Aaron Jones has got to be out for a couple of weeks that's okay cuz you have a guy that can step in for you and keep you and keep you on schedule even with you even with your primary starter out of the lineup
1: well this could even be a game as well where for you fantasy players it could be a fantasy leech game for patrick taylor like I, I know we've we've liked taylor back in camp he's 6'2 217 he's not a little guy either he, he's a big back he's not aj Dillon big but he's plenty strong and he's another guy who can create some space like i think he's a guy who could get get one of those three yard touchdowns where dylan drives a length to the field gets a breather and taylor scores
2: you know there are going to be people that absolutely hate that too Just because it's like trying to predict running back touchdowns on teams like Green Bay is so tough because you get – they're like, oh, yeah, no, you can trust this guy to score. Like, if you're thinking about, like, Der- like Tennessee, like, Derrick Henry's the guy. You don't have to worry about somebody else coming in and vulture But with Green Bay, it can be anybody, especially when Aaron Jones isn't in the lineup. Because Aaron Jones generally gets those touches, as we saw, against, like, Arizona. But when he's in the lineup, Jones is the guy. When he's out, now it's – got to worry about your Patrick Taylors. you got to worry – like, A.J. Dillon could be the guy. Maybe you – maybe it's a weird Josiah DeGuarra play down by the goal line. Who knows? I just – I like the way that this Green Bay team is built. I like that they can win in a variety of ways ways they don't have to win by the Aaron Rodgers 400 yard game every week you don't like if he doesn't if Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a great game as he didn't against Seattle Rodgers was far from perfect I'm sure he admitted he even admitted to that they still won the game by 17 and it was never it never even really seemed close per se like the defense was shutting down Russ pretty easily all day long The it was only the tight ends and the running backs that were getting consistent yardage. I'm pretty sure both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett had fewer than 30 yards receiving on the day. And that was with Jair still out of the lineup. You're still playing Eric Stokes and Kevin King and Rasul Douglas, who real quick shout out to Kevin King. Kevin King has been, I believe I saw he's the number one graded corner since like week five or something like that by PFF. Simply great. And but you know what? Let's keep burying him for a mistake he made back in January against the Bucks. Let's keep doing that. Yeah, Kevin King's playing great this year. Eric Stokes is playing fantastic. Shannon Sullivan and the slot's been great. Rasul Douglas as a street-free agent is I, – I don't want to get too overconfident. I try and stay grounded, but this team just makes it so hard. If, it was, if the special teams could get out of their own damn way, I think they – I would feel so much more confident in this team moving forward. But for this week, I don't think Minnesota stacks up anywhere other than special teams. And even on special teams, it's really just the kick returner because Greg Joseph has missed – at least has already missed one clutch field goal this year, and I'm pretty sure he's missed, I think he's got two different games this year where they lost because he didn't make a late field goal. I believe it was against, uh and then against Cincinnati, they just didn't have the clutch gene. Dalvin Cook fumbled at like the 10-yard line in a game that they would have won if you would have scored a touchdown. So I just, I have all the confidence in the world in this team and their ability to win. And they, I don't really have any nervousness about this game. The only thing I'd be concerned about is the look ahead spot. If I remember correctly, Green Bay plays the Rams next week, right? Yep. So Green Bay has to yep, then, focus then, on, the they need to focus on going 1-0 and this week. That's what they need. The focus needs to be going 1-0. They need to not look ahead to the Rams game. Rams are a good team, but you got to tackle the team in front of you. Don't overlook Minnesota because they, they do have enough offensive talent to break a big play here or there and that can be the difference in a game so just play your game keep doing the keep playing the way you've been playing all year long and you can win this game and even if it's a close score it won't necessarily be a truly close game like the classic um oh the game finished 24 to 17 but it was really 24 to 10 and that just was a late score that made it seem like it was a lot closer than it was so i think that that's kind of what i'm thinking here for the green bay game
1: so a few more points to add on to what you've been saying as well. You, you look at this one, and I think the Look Ahead game would have been more applicable if San Francisco had not just curb stomped L. A. Like that that game showed maybe it made them to, to limit L.A.'s offense. Like San Francisco put on a clinic. I don't know if that's a Shanahan McVeigh thing because he's done really well against them again, no and nobody else over the past couple years. But th- th- that was a very bad Rams team that game. They they played terribly.
2: It was also a classic like just a oh, couple of things went wrong really early, and then the entire game was shot after that. Like it was so it was 7-0, and then the Rams on Good. like their ne- their very next possession, Tyler Higby, who had two different drops on the night, had a ball hit him square in the hands. It bounced off of his hands into the hands of the of the defender. I believe it was Ward, the safety, Jimmy, Jimmy Ward's Ward. safety caught it, returned it for a touchdown, and it's now it's 14-0, and you're less than like 10 minutes into the game. Obviously, yes, that's not an insurmountable comeback. You can bounce back from that, but your entire game plan has been thrown off because you're now in a 14-0 hole. You got to do something. So. I I give the Rams a little bit of a pass, but you're right. The rest of the game, it's not like they were great. They were, they were doing well on first and second down, and then they were coming up short on third down. It was drop balls. Cooper Cup had a drop or two. He caught like 11 of 13 on the night, and I think – and his two incompletions, I think one of them was a third down drop van jefferson had a drop on third down you had tyler higby had two drops on third down and at least one of them would have been an easy first down i can't remember what the first one was but the second one would have been an easy first down it's just don't beat yourself and that's all green bay has to do in this game just don't beat yourself i think minnesota's got talent but they're not i don't think they're good enough to beat you if you don't beat yourself keep aaron Rodgers upright stay ahead of the sticks and you're you're good to go just don't beat yourself which as we saw in the kansas city game that's why Green Bay lost. They beat themselves. In the, in the game against Saints, Saints beat them. In the game against Kansas City, Green Bay beat Green Bay. Not K- Kansas City didn't beat Green Bay.
1: I'm with you. I was going to also add a couple of shout outs as well because you talked about Rasul Douglas. How about Henry Black, his work as a third safety and Dean Lowry? When did Lowry have the ability to run over linemen and draw holding penalties by doing so? I didn't know we had that kind of strength in him. And we, we talk all, we've talked for weeks now about getting Matt LeFleur coach of the year. How about Brian Goodkins for, for executive of the year? The moves he's made in season, whether it's Rasul Douglas, Whitney Mercilis, before he got before he got banged up, uh, Devondre Campbell obviously drafting Stokes. Some of these some of these other moves he has had a
2: spectacular season as a GM. He and, really and has, take, and, and Rogers He's been he's been amazing. It's, and it's going to go and it's gonna, but it's going to go unnoticed because it's the SAR thing. It's the because of the Aaron Rodgers thing. He, there's no shot that he wins. It there's just there's nothing he can do. And especially now that the trade deadlines passed, there's just there's no move that he can make to win him the Executive of the Year even if he's the most deserving person. Like, it just, because of the Aaron Rodgers stuff, especially if the media has any vote on it, I can't remember who votes on executive of the year, but if the media is the one that votes on it, there's no chance that he wins executive of the year, even though he has made... Multiple acquisitions of free agent players that are starting and playing high impact football for you right now. You had like you went out and traded for Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has made timely catches. He had obviously two touchdowns in the win over Arizona. He had a lake. He had a couple of big catches in the game against Kansas City that kept them in the game. You have guys like Elton Jenkins, who's one of the absolute best offensive linemen in football, and in terms of versatility and ability to play all over the place, I think he very well might be because there's not a lot. I don't know how many guys in the NFL could play all five spots and play at an all pro level obviously like tight end depth is huge you have tyler davis who was a guy that i completely forgotten about last week until like last week he made a catch we were to i remember we were talking about it yeah daphne's hurt and tunyan's out so now you just got lewis and deguara and i completely forgot about davis and then he got a catch in that game it's that's the mark of a good gm he absolutely deserves um love and praise and if we're gonna have to be the ones that give it to him because he's definitely there's just no way that he's gonna win executive of the year because of the aaron Rodgers stuff it doesn't it's it doesn't matter what happens it's just how it goes
1: that even adds on to the only positive special team which has been the punting of Bajorquez. it's another move that he made making training a later on pick to get what could be an all pro punter but not but that's yeah, let's ignore special teams now so as we get going right now Gage let's let let's take a look at some of the lines and what to what to look for in this one uh, it's pretty much a pick'em at this point isn't it?
2: yeah it's it's moved a lot I remember it, I believe it opened at uh, minus three depending on what books you were on some books opened minus two two and a half and it was hovering there Pretty much all week. I don't know, and there's been money pouring in on Minnesota over the last few days and there are a couple of books where you can still get it at a Pick'em. that's you can find it there and if you can find it at a Pick'em, which i did right before we started this podcast when i was looking at these lines i bet it at a Pick'em because i think green bay is going to win the game and if you're get, telling me that i can bet green bay to win the game and get the exact same odds as if i was betting them to cover because there are certain books where it's still hovering at minus one uh, minus one is what it looks like the consensus is at most places um but for the most part it's it's moved towards minnesota now it's just kind of staying right there i I think the books really don't want to give the money like the money might pour in on Minnesota but they don't want to move Green Bay to being an underdog because they know that they will get hit hard as soon as that happens if if any book moves Green Bay to being an underdog and you see it bet it as fast as you can because it's not going to they won't be underdogs for very long and for also for what it's worth road teams are winning this year road, like what road teams have been winning and covering more than home teams have and that's across the board I saw a statistic the other day that road teams of less than six of six and a half or fewer points are like 55 and 18 or something or it was like 42 18 and one I think this season of road, so road underdogs and home teams just aren't doing as well and Green Bay does well in Minnesota I, so I'm not I'm not concerned here the over under set at 47 it was at it opened at 50 and a half and it got bet down really really hard so now it's dropped a full three points I'm not super comfortable taking that but if I was betting the spread here I'd have no problem taking Green Bay as a Less than three point, less than three point road favorite. I'll take that all day long.
1: Uh, I'm actually, I'm, 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 I'm going with the over. I, I, think Green Bay wins. I'm going 31-20. I think Minnesota will get a couple points. Jefferson will get his thing. Phelan could we just be a, a pain, and because he, that's just what he does against Green Bay. He finds those random moments to make big plays. But I don't see Minnesota's defense stopping AJ Dillon or Devontae or even like Mercedes Lewis. Like I, I don't see a way they stop Green Bay's offense unless penalties. Come through injuries like I don't. I just can't see it. Zimmer's hasn't made enough adjustments over the last couple of years. The Packers, like I said, they play well in Minnesota. They won the last two in Minnesota comfortably, and I, I think they easily put up 30 and get the offense back on track. And the defense may take a slight hit for maybe some of the total numbers, but they'll play well enough. They'll get to Cousins because the Minnesota offensive line also isn't much to write home about either. And I, I think they win by 11. And so yeah, this this minus one or even a pick 'em is just bizarre to me. There's I can't see any way where you can say Green Bay is only a single point better than minnesota when they're four games up in the standings and they have consistently come up fairly clutch for a lot of these games
2: so i think that the argument there for the clutch factor would be that oh clutch runs out or you can't win all the close games well guess what the chargers have found a way to always lose close games so a team can definitely find a way to always win close games uh looking through the DVOA stats really quick because i've I've heard a couple of different books say, "Oh yeah, no, Minnesota's been really good against the run this year." And I'm looking through it. No, they're sixth against against the pass by DVOA, and they're 28th against the run. Green Bay's 24th against the run. So, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what metrics everybody else is using to say that Minnesota's been good against the run, but no, they have not. They're 28th. That's not, that's not good for those uh, at home. There's only 32 teams in the league, so if you're 28th, that means you are pretty much just, you're just above last. The 31 if You don't count Detroit. Detroit's not even last. They're 29th. Their last is uh, the Chargers, and then 31st is the Jets. They are the only two teams where if teams run on them, it is a positive play. It is a positive impact, like EPA play. But so I heard. So you said you took the over 31-20. I just I can't take the over with this Green Bay team and this Minnesota team because Green Bay wants to run the ball. They can throw the ball. They just don't want to because they can run. They they have no problem doing that. And Minnesota, they are the worst version of Tennessee. They want to win by running the ball and they will run the ball even when they're trailing even though it would make a lot more sense to throw it considering you do have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen who Thielen's not as young as he used to be but he's still a talented player. Jefferson is one of the best young wide receivers in the NFL. Throw them the ball more. But if you don't want to that's okay that makes Green Bay's life a lot easier because if they have less touches that means they have less to worry about outside and I'm confident still in the Green Bay secondary I think that this is another if I want I'm hoping we get a lot of Eric Stokes on Justin Jefferson I don't know if we'll get that but I would really love to see that matchup because that is a matchup where I think that's two talented young players that I would really love to watch like we saw Stokes last week against Tyler Lockett Stokes was a blanket all game long and he just he was all over him all game and he was doing it without fouling which was huge in the play where he got called for the holding pass interference thing, I think Lockett sold it a little bit. I think it was a little bit of a flag, but I think it was pretty, I think it was a pretty soft one at that. I'm gonna go. I got I got to go with the under. I just I can't trust a I can't trust Green Bay to go over because they're not throwing enough, especially when they are especially when they're leading. I expect them to be leading in this game. So that's kind of where I'm going to come in at on this one. I'm going to go Green Bay 24, Minnesota 17. I think Green Bay gets a field goal. I think, and I know I've called this prediction a lot this year, but guess what? It's a very common one. So I, I think the, I think Green Bay gives up a couple of touchdowns here. Um, especially, and another injury we didn't really talk about was Rashawn Gary. I don't know. We obviously, as of recording this, we don't know if he's going to be playing this week. He's uh, listed as questionable. He's limited participant. I know he's going to try and play, but. If he's not, that gives – and with Whitney Merciless out for the year and Kingsley Kiki's still dealing with his concussion stuff, that makes it to where Kirk Cousins will have a little more time to work. Granted, I think uh Kenny Clark is going to have a uh, Game Wrecker-style game where he's just going to get after it and eat Garrett Bradbury's lunch, so I'm excited to watch that. But I'm going Green Bay 24, Minnesota 17. I think Green Bay Minnesota gets a late score to make it look like a respectable score, but I don't think they're ever going to be really in touch with Green Bay. I think now. For those of you that like to bet weird things, if you can find Minnesota to score first touchdown or first at all, not the not the worst move to make. As we've talked about before, Green Bay consistently does not score first. They consistently get scored on first, and they're okay with doing that because they like to play a slow, methodical game. And Minnesota – and for whatever reason, most books have Green Bay as the favorite to score first, so – if you can get Minnesota, I wouldn't mind taking that because you're probably going to get plus money, and it's a bet that I have a decent amount of confidence in.
1: That's fair, and and you talk about how the scoring might be done because both teams are on the ball. That's why defenses can score too, and, th- and I think I think that's going to happen. Uh, I think we're going to see a strip sack taken back.
2: Oh, you're going to bet a a defensive touchdown anytime. You know, I, I mean, I might bet on that. I know pretty much every book offers anytime defensive touchdown. So if I could find that somewhere with decent odds, I might go. Just put, a, just sprinkle that a little bit, just to.
1: Just you've seen, free. you've seen some weird plays against the Vikings. Or even going back what, ten years ago when Clay Matthews literally just took the ball from Adrian Peterson. That was that. This there was the Kenny, the Kenny Jaguar Clark Alexander is be fire
2: safety, safety last year, where he just was like, you know what? No, yeah. I'm going for it. Got the safety. So but, yeah, and, I agree. Weird when, plays and do and happen. Even when here.
1: he tackled, even when he tackled Stephon Diggs with Adam Thielen. Yeah, but the, that one was good. But I, I think one where they talk about you talk about Kenny Clark going to be a game wrecker. I think he's going to bowl over Bradbury on one of these plays, and he's going to force something. And whether it's a fire blow. And someone like Drake Campbell can pick it up and take it. The Packers' defensive speed is better than it's been in years. If they can get the ball on the ground with some space, they can get a touchdown out of this. And I, I think I think that might happen. And I, that's why that's why I kind of think they can get to 31. Is that they can they'll get a touchdown in an unorthodox way and completely flip this game over? Because Kirk Cousins is having a great year. I'm still not convinced his ball security is that great. I don't trust Kubiak to make the right play calls. There's nothing I trust this Minnesota team that they won't get. Like we talked about, the Bears guys getting in their own way. The Packers at times get in their own way minnesota is the same way this is a constantly self-inflicted wounding nfc north division and minnesota is very much the same way so i think well, i think they i think a defensive score is going to happen if i'm wrong i'm wrong i've been wrong before i'll be wrong again but it's this it, i think this is one of those games where something weird is going to happen with that'll help the packers so we'll start to wrap things up here for game day gauge what are you working on
0: uh
2: as per usual still work doing some work over at dynasty nerds and rotoballer mainly doing some start sit stuff covering the rams and seahawks for Roto Baller. uh my running back start sit used to to come out on like Wednesday last year, but with the pro- the high volume of injuries, I've been pushing it out uh, later. Uh, it actually came out yesterday, uh, as you guys are listening to this. I'm just pushing it later and later in the week to try and get as much up-to-date information and to try and put out articles that are actually actionable and have advice in them because i was going to write about eli mitchell for the 49ers it's one of my starts of the week and then he got ruled out as i'm in the middle of writing the article i was like all right cool scrap that and move somebody else in so still doing that stuff it's all on my twitter it's the easiest place to find it still doing stuff with denver stiffs covering the denver nuggets who are in the middle of the uh middle of the start of their season here dealing with injuries all over the place and as you guys are listening to this now i'm doing my fantasy football advice every every single sunday 9 a.m to 1 p.m uh still helping out and answering every single question sent my way, whether it's in a DM, a tweet, whatever. I answer all of them, and I'll answer them right up until the 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff.
1: Sounds good, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike MikeWenland, all one word. Again, I'm not doing a lot of writing right now. Uh, my work is mostly in the broadcasting field. I'm working for Zaleski Sports out of central Wisconsin doing high school games, and now with the state championships wrapping up yesterday down in Madison, I'm it's now basketball season, so I've been I did my first uh, girls basketball game for high school on Thursday night. I'll be doing uh, girls basketball, boys basketball, and hockey going forward for the rest of this winter. So you can find my work there at ZaleskiSports.com. You can just find all the games through there. And of course, you can find us as a unit at Packaday Podcast on social media, at the Packaday Podcast on YouTube, and wherever your favorite podcast platform, we will be there as well. So again, it's Divisional Game Day Packers and Vikings. We thank you for joining us. Enjoy the game. For Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Remember, always stay safe, always carry the G, and go, pack, go.